welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. It is fantastic to have you on board listening to another podcast in my series over this crisis period for hospitality. I really wanted to bring in people who were in the industry or supplying directly to the industry from uh, amazing suppliers and venues around the country. Uh, today is no exception. exception. Uh, Julian Young is the is the operations manager for Toby's Estate Roasters in New South Wales. Sorry, in New South Wales, in WA and SA. I stuffed up that Toby, but uh, let's get in, let's get into it, Julian. <laughs> that is fine. Like a bit of a promotion there too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, Julian, how did you how did you start out uh, in the industry? Looking through looking through uh, what I know of you from LinkedIn and and that kind mm. of stuff. You've been in the hospitality food and beverage game for a, for a long period of time, so. Yeah, well, hospitality pretty much from from when I left school, from working mm. um, in a restaurant as a waiter to um, I had the great fun of living in Japan for a year and working as a, a butler for a catering company, wow. which was a real no opener, which was great fun, really great fun. Did, um, was so, that just was that just random that you became a butler? <laughs> I, it was actually, yeah, yeah, it really was. I um I was working as a um, bit of a, a food and beverage person at the bar at the Australian Embassy. And got to know some people over there and um, got working for a private little catering company. And I would be the, we'd go and buy the food, we'd prep and cook the food. Then I'd go and get dressed up in um, some, a bow tie and a suit. And I'd be the butler to welcome guests for small intimate gatherings. And I would then serve wow. the food. And there were big days, but they were, they were really fun, fun, fun memories. Great times. How cool. Um, sorry to stop you. How was your, <laughs> what did you do from there? Uh, from there, I just went on, kept on going in hospitality. So I came back to Australia and from food and beverage to front office to hotels to, and I was making coffee that whole time and I was making really bad coffee that whole time <laughs> until I actually got into working in the coffee industry and I realised just how bad my coffee was. And mm. again, was lucky enough to have some great teachers to, to teach me the wrongs of my ways. That's a good, that's a good thing. Coffee, I found, um, like I've been in the industry for a couple of decades and coffee is the one thing which I just don't think I've cracked yeah, well enough yeah. and mm. it's probably frustrated me the most. Um, and because everyone, you know, uh, if you're, wherever you live in uh, the world listening to this podcast, um, you're probably having at least one coffee a day, if not, you know, upwards of three or four. Um, and you always, you always remember like the worst coffee you've had. Um, so Agreed. you're only, you know, you're only as good as the next coffee you put out when you're a barista. So it's, it's really challenging. Yeah. I really agree with that actually. Yeah. And, and it's funny with the coffee industry, we're supplying a raw ingredient with our mm. name on it and giving it to people to make into a coffee and they can make a really great coffee with our That's name on point. it or a really mm-hmm. bad coffee with our name on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm still on a learning curve. I'm still learning how to make great coffee. I'm just lucky I've surrounded myself with people who can't make <laughs> brilliant, brilliant coffees. So how did it, how did it come to um, come to a fact that you work for such a great company as as Toby Estate? I would I would say that you know Toby's is probably one of the most highest acclaim you know coffee roasters in Australia uh, at the moment. Um, so how did it come to be that you work with them? Look, really, really lucky. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have um, this role with Toby's Estate. Uh, it was just a lining of planets. I was working mm. for another coffee company. Um, there was a push for Toby's to reignite the WA and South Australian market. Mm-hmm. And I was in the right place at the right time. And luckily, we all just um, merged together. And yeah. uh, I've been here for a couple of, well, I'd say five months now. 
So you're living in? Are you living in Perth or are you living in Adelaide? Um, well, before coronavirus, I, was, I felt like I was living in both. But um, <laughs> now I am firmly in Perth, and my home is here in Perth. Yeah. But um, I do get over to to Adelaide quite a bit in under normal circumstances. Yeah. How does how do you see the difference between the two markets between between Adelaide and WA? Because as I said to you just before, I'm an Adelaide born and bred boy, but lived in lived in WA for about six months. Um, and got to see a lot of similarities. But what do you what do you see as sort of the similarities and differences between those two coffee markets? It's actually really quite surprising. Each of the states are very, very different in the coffee markets across mm. Australia. But mm. particularly with WA and South Australia, the big differences I've noticed is that South Australia seems to be, or the coffee culture in South Australia seems to be a little bit more adventurous than WA. They seem to be more open to alternative brews, to single origins to rotational single origins to try new things. And while there's, there is definitely that here in WA, we do still tend to be the, the flat white standard coffee latte coffee market in WA. And the, the alternative brews, the specialty coffee or the, the specialty coffee options are definitely here in WA, but not quite as the public don't quite have as much of an appetite for it yet. Do you have an understanding of why you think that is? Um, I think there is a really strong vibe and feel for that artisanal type of food and food offering in South Australia. Mm. Um, you know, that with the whole Barossa Valley and local produce, they're very strong on on um, handmade and care with the food. Again, not to say that it's not here in WA as well, but there is that um, intrinsic desire for that something different and, and handmade and bespoke and cared for product. And also a product that's usually from WA um, from when I was there. It's very, it's a very patriotic state and city, um, probably it more is. so than anyone I've ever dealt with, with regards to food. And it is, it is. The term over East was used so much <laughs> when, I was, <laughs> when I was in Perth. Um, I sort of got a bit, you get a bit used to people, um, more people, uh, who have been to Bali, let alone going to Sydney. Um, oh. It was so it was very interesting that little sort of food bubble, food and coffee bubble um, in 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 Perth, and how they sort of you know uh, yeah. evolve in their in their thinking around food and Perth. You're absolutely right. Perth is very parochial, mm. and like you said, Bali is is a northern suburb for us, <laughs> and um, it, it's really quite refreshing to be able to say to people that Toby's estate is roasted here in WA. We roast right here in Perth. And that's quite a surprising fact that people are, are impressed with. Is that is that an unusual thing, Julian? Because obviously the coffee industry's, you know, from a roasting perspective, has changed in the last probably two to three years as, as uh, you know, big scale venues who probably, you know, would do anywhere between sort of 50 to 100 kilos a week in coffee can all of a sudden... Uh, um, rent a coffee uh, a roasting venue by the hour to roast their own beans and all that kind mm. of stuff. Like, is, has that been something which has evolved the last couple of years? Have you seen or? Absolutely. Look, mm. every, every Tom, Dick and Harry can be a roaster, whether yeah. you buy a, a popcorn maker from Kmart and <laughs> roast your beans, air, air roast your beans on those, you're suddenly a roaster. So there are about 900 to 1,000 roasters known in Australia. Are there um, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. The, the difference is that you've got roasters who who do make some fantastic small batch coffees, but it's difficult to do that twice. 
Right. Um, then you've got other roasters who are able to make those great coffees but have the technology behind them to be able to replicate that and yeah. to have that consistency. And, and that's, I, I certainly would not knock a small roast. I think they're fantastic and should be encouraged. And like I said, they make some brilliant little um, roasts. But for a larger venue, you do need that consistency. How, how hard is it to roast coffee? Because, like, I think, like, I've, I've unfortunately never done it um, before myself. But, like, I'm a qualified baker by trade and a lot of mm. people don't realise that um, baking is, is can change and there's so many variables like um, heat and, and, mm. um, and moisture and, and all these Humidity, things that change. Yeah. yeah like, and, uh, and seasonality of flour and all these kind of things that, that change how something looks and feels. Um, I imagine it's exactly the same with coffee. So it must be really hard to keep consistency there. Well, I'll, I'll speak from a bystander who watches in mm-hmm. awe at our roasters. And yes, it is very much like that. When when our roasters are in their element and watching their graphs and waiting for you know, that first crack and watching temperature and then suddenly getting the fan turned on to cool down, it, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a mix between um, science and a dance. Mm-hmm. And to get the, the tempo right and then know what happens at different, fact, at different parts of the, of the roasting process, it, it's quite amazing. Yeah, incredible. So um, it, it, it does vary a lot, and I know our, um, it, the focus is is tangible when we're watching our roasters actually roast a batch to make sure it's just spot on each time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about um, the COVID nineteen situation. Mm. We're, we're taping this at the start of April. Um, the reason why I wanted to get you get you on is and and for my other guests over the next week or so is to really understand how it's affecting hospitality in so many different areas. So. Let's talk about the last month for Toby's estate. Like, how mm. is how is the current crisis affecting Toby's? Look, it's affecting Toby's estate much like it's affecting pretty much every hospitality venue. Um, mm. A lot of a lot of smaller cafes do run day to day, week by week. So that is this has hit them really, really hard. Mm. Um, it has forced everyone to really. I think the word pivot is used so often and it's pretty accurate just to, to pivot on what we were and what we're doing as normal mm. to what we need to do now. And and you can see the venues that have been able to make that change. If we go back, you said four weeks. If we look at maybe just the last three weeks, mm. week one was a bit of panic. What's going to happen? Um, things were slowing down slightly. By week two, it had just died. Um, there were venues already closing up um, having to shut shop at this stage indefinitely, not knowing when they can reopen again, mm. the whole standing down staff. And that's, that's when we all had to suddenly change what was normal, find that new normal. And you can see some cafes change from being your cafe and a muffin outlet to be your almost a corner deli where you come in for your milk, your <laughs> eggs, your bread, yep. the toilet paper. It's amazing how many people bundle toilet paper with their coffees. <laughs> Especially in the early <laughs> stages, right? And yeah, and, I, and yeah. I, I, think the, um, I think the isolation dish across the hospitality sector we now know to be lasagna. Um, yeah. I think every single venue in Australia who's still open is doing some form of lasagna at the moment. It's hilarious. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that, yeah, it's had to change, and not only did it, the cafes have to change, but we, as a, a as a coffee supplier or, or more of a, a partner in their business, had to change as well. 
Mm. And and that was from as simple as you know, order one day, get delivered the next. We had to be more flexible because cafes didn't know what was happening tomorrow. Yeah, so wow. we really had to change that and um, just work with our partners, work with our with our customers to to keep the ball rolling. Um, we have to look at different ways to to continue with business. So one of the things we're, we're launching at the moment is a um, a way to support our cafes that can't open their doors. So they still have social media accounts and we're mm-hmm. creating a, a program where they can have their own code and still get their customers to buy through our website using their code and they still get the portion of that. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So it's um, they're still making sales. We're still making sales. Mm-hmm. They're getting some revenue and our customers or their customers who are drinking coffee can still have the coffee mm-hmm. um, in that at-home market, which has just boomed in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I was going to... I want to get onto that in a second because I really mm. want your opinion on that. I um I had a talk with uh, one of my good friends from another coffee roaster here in, in Melbourne who's quite prominent and he was telling me the volume decrease, right, in their roasting. Mm. And he said they've gone from about 20 roasts a week to two, mm-hmm. right? I just, I just wonder how, like, the coffee industry is going to survive this and and – Coffee brands, we, we know there are a lot. Uh, I know great quality ones of, of your stature, Julian, will survive in, in Topies. But but it's just going to be such a hard slog for these guys to go through because most of most of your accounts are on 14 days or 30-day accounts. You're, the reason why you saw cafes close first was because they're the ones most likely to really struggle from any kind of change in cash flow. So they're gonna they're gonna struggle when a big part of their market is gone, which is eating eating market of of breakfast and that kind of stuff. Like, how do you think? Uh, you guys must be incredibly scared how this is gonna play out. But like, what do you what do you think you're gonna do past this sort of pivoting stage of? Uh, I mean, what a what a really great initiative that you just spoke about then. You know. Look, it's constantly evolving, and although you said, um, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll do really well, we'll come out of this. We, we can't be that arrogant. We, mm. we have to. We can't mm. rest on our laurels. We actually mm. do have to think, what are we going to do? And, and luckily, we have not had to let anyone go. We haven't stood anyone down across the business. Amazing. We still have. Mm. We're still roasting. We're still doing everything we were doing before, just differently and more, a lot more flexibly, or flexibly, a lot more flex with a lot more flexibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so down to our relationship managers who would go out to visit customers, they're now delivering as well. So yeah. they still have that touch point. So it's just being different. As far as the whole market goes, there is a definite, it's definitely painful. Um, there will be survivors and there'll be some who don't survive. Mm. Mm. Uh, and that, that's the, the harsh reality of it. Mm. Um, we want all of our customers to survive, um, but there will also be roasters who, who won't be there at the end of this and yeah. we don't know how long that's going to be yeah. and that, that's the reality and that can be all of us it could be all of us mm-hmm. so um we certainly can't rest in our laurels mm. let's talk about this at home market i'm finding obviously mm. that um uh that i'm drinking more coffee at home um mm. where before i was in the city and would drink you know two to three coffees in the city every day um now i'm doing that at home like how have you guys managed to sort of move into that at a home market in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, the, that's one great thing with coffee is it is one of those, those 
joys in life that people can't really do without. So mm. whether they are buying it in the city or at work in the morning and at lunch and the morning tea, or if they're having it at home, people are still having coffee, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the Australian market is more discerning. So it is not a case of cracking open an instant tin of coffee is okay anymore. Mm. They do want some, some, a decent quality coffee. Mm-hmm. So we have seen the, the retail side increasing. Uh, people buying coffee direct from our website for home. Um, we're going to be looking at that, like I said, using our customers as a vector for that so that we're winning both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got different products that are outside the norm. So for a specialty coffee, we've launched a, a steeped coffee bag, essentially, which is specialty coffee, filtered coffee, in a bag that you actually filter or put in a, a hot water and let it steep and you've got great high coffee specialty coffee at home so we're looking at different markets and different ways to get that quality coffee to our customers at home yeah right how's that how long has that particular product been on the market for because that's something completely different yeah very different only only a couple of months actually yeah right so it's still it's very new is it is it hard in the coffee industry to do to do stuff that is new and to have people trial it do you think I think people are quite keen to give it a go, mm. but I think people are very, they have very high expectations that they're happy to give it a go, but it's got to be damn good for them to give it a go again. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So there's still the, the espresso market. If you just look on, on Gumtree or Facebook or marketplace on Facebook, the number of people who are asking opinions on what is a good home espresso machine. <laughs> Get, getting examples, um, getting selling them, buying them, getting requests and feedback. What's a good way for me to make coffee at home? So you, you know that's that's it's big. Mm. When you've got a, again some of our our budget department stores selling espresso machines for under a hundred dollars for the yeah. home market, <laughs> whether that's a, a good product or not, but the the market is there. The people are buying it. Yeah, it's super interesting, isn't it? When you look at mm. when you look at um, so much diversification in what coffee brands offer now, it's it's quite it it's quite interesting to figure out as a consumer what makes them purchase a particular product. Um, mm. Like I'll quite often drink capsule coffee now because it's good enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I've seen a couple of brands who are who are playing in a like a build your own sort of reusable capsule um, product at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So you will fill it with coffee and then, and then put the cap back on and, and press it and then, you know, uh, and then do a capsule coffee. So it's quite, it's quite interesting where the market's, um, where the market's going to lead to, uh, I think. Um, where do you... And also, on, mm, you go. sorry, just on that, Sean, mm. also, there's also that um, because people are, are working from home a lot or at home a lot, that coffee is becoming more of a ritual and there's more of a deliberate time spent to put a, the process into place to make a good coffee rather than the quick, I need the caffeine hit to get going. Yeah, 100%. There's more of that that um, religious process to go through that grinding fresh beans, getting the temperature right, letting it uh, extract or filter through, enjoying the moment, enjoying the process. Yeah, it's... it's um... I'm sure you probably would have um, looked at a lot of Instagram the last couple of weeks to see what people were mm. doing and stuff. And myself as an ex-baker, um, uh, I'm excited and also slightly annoyed that now everyone thinks they're a baker at home and doing all these <laughs> sourdough breads and stuff like that. So it's, it's, um, 
it's quite I'm quite interested where the coffee at home market is going to go if people are going to go full level and um, get a proper uh, cafe set up, start you know grinding their own coffee properly and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, who who knows where it's going to go the next couple of months? You know, I think in the next few weeks to months there will be that the definite increase in the home market, mm. but I don't think it'll be forever. Mm. I think once the ban is lifted and we have the freedom to to leave our safe homes again that cafes will just go boom and people will want to go out to get that coffee because going to a cafe is more than getting a cup of caffeine. It's actually the process of being greeted, of the social interaction, the chatting with the barista or the being acknowledged, the getting out, the social part of it. So there's a lot more in a coffee mm. than here's your four, four dollars, here's a cup of hot liquid with caffeine in it, now go. There's yeah. a lot more in it than that. That sort of leads into my next question because I was going to say, does do you think there's a risk here of the coffee culture in Australia being sort of downgraded or with less venues being around? Um, I think we can probably safely say there's going to be less venues for a while um, mm-hmm. coming out of this. But do you think the cafe culture might um, come out of it worse off, like the the actual skills and and the camaraderie of, of baristas and that kind of stuff. Do you, are you guys concerned about that as an industry? No, I think it might be the opposite. Mm. I think it's um, we're going to weather this storm and it's almost going to be a bit of a, to sound really harsh, a bit of a clean out yes. of some of the, the those that are just doing whatever and calling it coffee or claiming to be specialty coffee. 100%. And we'll have people who are still those passionate who survived, who thrived and who back each other up. It's, it's a bizarre industry, the coffee industry, where we actually, although we can be roasters competing against each other, we are still comrades who compete um, socially with each other and share our beans. If we do a great roast, we share it with each other. Mm. Check this out. Um, we learn things together. So it's a, it's a strange balance of competitor and well, friend and fiend, I suppose. Yeah. So I think it'll just build that that culture. So when it does come back, it'll be a deeper, stronger, richer culture. Yeah. I t- yeah, I totally agree. I think it'll be more, probably the word I'm using most at the moment is probably authentic. And mm, and, I, mm. and I think there's um, there's excitement in that because the way the, the cafe industry has evolved over the last 20 years has been just incredible. And I think... The relationship, I often joke, Julian, that I think the relationship that some people have with their baristas and their publicans <laughs> is better than they have with their parents. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, have, they know yeah. more about them. They, they will have those conversations. They will enjoy that, you know, two coffees they get from the, the cafe down the road to have a chat with, you know, the guy or the girl who's on, who's on the coffee machine. And those 15 minutes or 30 minutes a day, um, if they get that time, is, is really mm. meaningful. And mm. and I hope that part isn't lost um, out of too much focus on, you know, wage control and that kind of stuff coming out of this. So um, only time. It's that fine dance, isn't it? It's a, it's a really fine dance. I think it's going to make a lot of venues a lot more um, uh, cross-functional in the way their staff interact um, and what Definitely. they do. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah, I think that'll be, I think that'll be important. Um, do you think worldwide, obviously, you've got, you know, you've got experience, you know, overseas in different markets and that kind of stuff. You would have, even before you started working in coffee, you would have um, experienced a lot of different coffee venues sort of overseas. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. Do you think this is how big an impact do you think this is going to have worldwide to coffee? Do you think it's just uh, a dip at the moment, or do you think this might be a, just a change in how people drink coffee with maybe a combination of slightly less sort of eat out um, um, coffee and then more uh, sort of at home? Or how do you sort of feel? I think in the short term, there's definitely going to be the impact on coffee supply because the demand is going to drop. Mm. Uh, there will definitely be, there's a, uh, we're already feeling the impact on price of, of green beans. Mm. Yep. Um, there's going to be, look, each country is very different. Yeah, of course. Uh, I would say that Australia and New Zealand, I guess, does lead the way with, um, with coffee and coffee culture. Mm-hmm. When you just go travel to places like New York and it is Australian style cafe, or they <laughs> advertise that they have an Aussie barista, a Kiwi barista. So, you know, we're, we're highly regarded. Yeah. And I think, it's, it's going to be very different. I think the market in some places, like those big cities overseas, the New Yorks, will the chain, the chain cafes might go well. They can recover. Yeah. The smaller ones may take a bit more time to recover if they're still there afterwards. Yeah. Do you feel? Um, do you feel that's just the capital? Different. Do you feel that's just the capital part of it, or do you feel they've just got just, systems I, and processes set up to? Probably the capital. Yeah. 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 Okay. Definitely not the passion. I'd say definitely the capital, the money behind them. Yeah, it's, it's. Um, I think, I think you're right. As you said, sort of a, a leveling out of like, um, people who thought they were doing coffee, um, quite well, but maybe maybe weren't. So I think there's definitely been, um, somewhat of an oversupply of people doing, you know, venues across the board in in a lot of different a lot of different cities and and that kind of stuff. So I think. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting, but I think as a as a industry, coffee industry, hospitality industry is going to be uh, a hell of a lot stronger um, post this. Um, it's just a case of support uh, for the people as they as they come out of the industry. Um, Definitely. So, moving forward, what do you see the next sort of uh, couple of months looking for uh, looking like at at Tobes Estate? What are you guys really concentrating on? Uh, we're concentrating on, on keeping people drinking good coffee mm-hmm. and supporting our customers and adapting and changing as they do. I mean, we're actually planning on what are we going to do after this, as in how are we going to help our customers come back online? Yeah, 100%. So we're, we're definitely planning ahead um, from even a, a checklist on what to do. If you're planning on opening on this date, how are we going to help you? What do you need to do? What support do you need from retraining your baristas to training new baristas to getting machines serviced to getting filters replaced and repaired. There'll be a, once we get these, these um, restrictions lifted, there'll be a rush and both people and machines are going to need to be refreshed and retrained and ready to go. Mm. So we're, we're planning on that now. Awesome. Um, it, in, in the meantime, it is just, just constantly adapting. Yeah. Adapting and changing. Yeah. Work out what happens next and just, uh, evolving to the for the new thing to support your clients, I think I think a lot of it is just going to be listening, isn't it? It's just listening to it listening to vendors, you know. Which is lucky. We're we're at the the great size of a company where we are able to be quite nimble and flexible and make those changes, mm-hmm. but we're big enough to have that backup and support yeah. to still provide that same quality, the same quantity if needed, and to be able to flex and change. Yeah, totally agree. So we're we're, we're in a lucky position. Well, I'm glad Toby's is doing that. I know a lot of um, other great brands are doing that. I think I th- I know that the during this time of crisis, uh, the, you know, the brands 
who are doing the right thing will be will be heralded. So um, so I appreciate you guys and Toby's doing that for for your customers in the industry as a whole. Um, Julian, like, what's the best way that people can either contact you or or learn more about Toby's estate? Maybe support their cafe as you as you just talked about there. Look, we're really big on social media, so um, going to our website would be the best mm-hmm. at uh, tobysestate.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, that has links to our Instagram. We're actually having a, a virtual latte art smackdown at the moment on Instagram, which is um, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> you actually cool. get to vote on it, – it's actually cool, yeah. So you get to vote on it. Um, you get to judge the outcome of each, of each bit of latte art and um, you get a, an overall winner. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to really um, break some ground on how we can use social media mm-hmm. Um, we've got a few more ideas on coming up. So keep an eye out on what's happening. Um, it's how we're all engaging and linking. If it's not a, a Zoom, Skype <laughs> kind of connection now, it's, it's an Instagram or a Facebook. Yeah, so absolutely. We're doing a lot of social media like that. Buying, Like you said, buying from our, our website, but supporting your local cafe still by using their own unique code, mm-hmm. which will be launched pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to have our cafes back up and running after this. Yeah, we we want to do everything we can to support them, and this is one way we can do it. So we're we're looking forward to getting that going. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I will make sure I'll link up all that in the bio of this podcast, so you guys can support your local cafe that is uh, that is supplying the amazing coffee that is Topi's Estate. So, uh, Julian Young, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining me on today's podcast. Sean, it was my pleasure. <laughs>